Yay. I was just saying, it's so good to have Sarah Jane on the platform. Um, and Haley and Nathaniel and Chantel and Aaron. We're just, just so very, very blessed. Amen. 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 And, uh, you know, uh, Joel and Sarah Jane are running uh, up in the Sunshine Coast with Peter and Peggy Barr. Uh, Sunshine Close Glory City Church, which is just going wonderfully uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And so I'd encourage you to, just to keep them in your prayers. Uh, they head up there on Saturdays and do uh, meet with the people and they do Sunday morning, Sunday night. And so God is really just doing great things. I mean, they've been having, like, how many people coming on Sunday night? Heaps. Up to 200 people. It's just been, and it's, it's just... God is just moving. People are hungry. Hallelujah. And they're having Sunday mornings and, and going out and doing outreaches into the community. And you know, what we're living in, this season that we're living in, is not one to be ignorant of, but to be fully awake and aware that God's grace is being poured out in such a way that it's just easy. If you move with God, it's amazing how delightful it is to see Him move through you and touch people. I remember... Um, years ago, hearing a preacher say, you know, why don't you just ask God for a fish this week? You know, we are called to be fishers of men. And you know, once you ask God for a fish, meaning once you ask God to give you a soul, someone that you can bring into the kingdom. And so I did that. I wasn't, I wasn't a preacher. I wasn't in, in ministry, but I was, I was hungry for souls. So I said, oh God, at the altar that night, give me a fish. God, I want a fish this week. Give me a fish this week. And I, I took my kids up during the week to uh, the, I was living in a place where there was a community pool and I, we went for a swim and I, I met this lady and she was upset about something. So I got to share with her and within just a very short time, I was able to lead her, lead her to Jesus. Then um, she came to church and then her, she was estranged from her husband and they got back together and he got saved and they're all serving Jesus now. It's just, it's beautiful. And I was just reminded of that as Joel was uh, speaking tonight. We've got to be aware that there is, there's a grace on you to go and win souls. Hallelujah. The grace of God's upon you to bring them in. And it's, it's easier than you might imagine. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He who wins souls is wise. I was thinking about it because, you know, it's, it's not about just getting people to come to church. This is having a heavenly mindset, just like Pastor Candace was talking about, recognizing that this is all about eternity. I think about the Father who says he's prepared all these rooms in the hope that his, his beloved, his people that he made would respond to his kindness and that they would come and that they would fellowship with him, that they would be able to be with him for eternity. And to think, you know, as the Moravians used to say, to bring to Christ the reward of his suffering, his heart, he, everything he did was with a hope that they, his people, these ones that you and I, that he've created, would respond to him and be with him forever. We'd receive eternal life and, and be able to be with him. And so when you're thinking about uh, asking God for a fish, and I'd ask you to do that this week and encourage you to get it in your spirit. Ask him, oh God, I'll give you a fish this week. It's not just about um, a number of, of people coming in. It's, it's about beloved children that God loves more than any parent ever loved a child. 
Imagine being able to bring an estranged child back to a parent that had grieved for years and years. A parent that had had their child abducted or something and had this child had grown up not even knowing that their parents cared about them. And you had the privilege of being able to grab that one and tell them the truth and then bring them back to their parents who'd agonized for years and years. Well, that's only just, that's not even an adequate picture of the privilege that we get when we bring people back to Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Uh, It's very much on daddy's heart and he's with you and he's helping you. Amen. He said, such as I have, you'll say, such as I have, give I thee. Just like Peter and James, such as I have. This is what this awakening is, recognizing what God's got on the inside of you, that it's now no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Therefore, Jesus Christ, who was always the answer to every person that came to him, is now in you. And you are, therefore, every time when you are in, 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 Approaching anybody, God wants you to be aware of the truth of who is inside of you, of who you are carrying, of who you are. Now it says that as he is, so am I in this world. He was always the answer. Hallelujah. Never sympathetic, never going, oh, that's sad. Pity for you. That must hurt. What are you going to do about that? He never did that, yet we talk like that a lot, don't we? Oh, sorry to hear that. That's awful. That's human. But the reality is you are no longer living, but Christ lives in you when you have been reckoned yourself dead and said, yes, God, I believe that I have been identified with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, hallelujah, there's this treasure inside this earthen vessel. And I can say, such as I have, give I thee. Peter and James didn't walk past the lame man and go, hey, mate, you know, God really loves you. Let me give you some money. That would have been kind, but you see, we have so much more to give, and God wants to wake us up to this truth. It's been an uncomfortable truth for the church for a long time because it seemed risky. You see, people don't necessarily think that we want to walk out into the whole healing thing because, well, what do you do when someone doesn't get healed? And they've they've, they've put safety nets around it saying, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to go there because, you know, I'm comfortable with the telling you that God is good, that he loves you, comfortable with this, you know, with, with this much that I can feel like I've got control over. But when it comes to releasing the power of God into healing, well, that's another matter because if we start going there and people don't get healed, how are we going to explain it? What are we going to do? And that's been something that has has dogged the Christian church for so many years. Yet I believe that there is an awakening coming, hallelujah, where people are no longer afraid of what people are going to think, but they're recognizing that this is actually the truth, that my life is built on the rock, Jesus Christ. I don't have a part of the kingdom or a part of God in me. I have Christ in us. And God is wanting to wake us up to hunger and thirst that we might be fully aware of the fullness, hallelujah, that we can say with a boldness and a confidence, such as I have, give I thee. You see, when they reached out, you think about him walking past the, the lame man, 
he didn't reach out and say, look, we can give it a go. I can try and give it a go and see what happens. We could pray for you. They had an absolute confidence in their heart. I know what I've got on the inside of me. It's Jesus Christ. Though he's gone to be in heaven now, his spirit has come and he's filled us. Hallelujah. He's made us the temple of the Holy Ghost. He said, now as he is, so are we in this world. Therefore, Jesus, who we know. You see, the apostles, the disciples, they knew Jesus. They saw him. They recognized it. They saw him do the miracles. They saw what he did. They go, that's who Jesus is. Now he says, that's who I am. Therefore, such as I have, give I thee. Right? So this awakening is all about us getting to know Jesus who he is. You see, as he's saying, seek my face, it's because he's wanting to open up and flood and fill the eyes of your understanding in the revelation of who he really is. This is better than you're reacting. Hallelujah. The answer to a powerless church is not in a theory or a formula but it is in knowing Christ. Hallelujah. It's because these men had been with Jesus. They knew Jesus. They had a holy confidence, such as I have, give I thee. We don't have to look and go, oh, I wish I could try. I'm going to try and, and get there. God is saying, lift up your head. Let me fill and flood your heart with the knowledge of who I am so that you'll know who you are. So that you'll know, it's, it's Ephesians chapter 1, that we might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that we may know the hope of our calling. It stems from the knowledge of him, then shows us the hope of our calling. It's not just some little thing. The hope of our calling is to be as he is. As you cry out and say, oh God, I want to know you more. I want to know you. I want to know you. He's saying, yes, I want to reveal myself. I'm going to show myself to you. And it's out of that that he'll quicken and enlighten to you the amazing hope that is the hope of your calling. Hallelujah. Your call to release the glory of God, to be as he is. He is so full of life, so full of love, so full of joy. Hallelujah. He's overflowing with the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. People who met Jesus, they just, they, they drop everything just to spend the rest of their lives following him. That's who you are. In that God in you, now the very atmosphere of heaven, the, the very nature of Christ is now living on the inside of you. Well, is that what the Bible says or, or not? You see, the truth is, we, when we've been crucified with Christ, the reality is we've been joined to the body. We've been joined to the head who is Jesus, and now we are part of him. Hallelujah. We represent him as Christ's ambassadors, and God is continually wanting to wake us up to realize who it is that we've been joined to. Amen. If you want to turn with me, I'll show you in the scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. You've been enjoying your Bibles this week? I've been encouraging everybody to, that's good, read their Bibles and memorize the scripture. The more you get it on the inside, the more God can bring it out. Hallelujah. It's so good. Feed on it. Feast on it. 
It's enjoyable. If you go to spend time with God and you're struggling, and you're, you know, oh, I'm trying to break through, I'm trying to worship you, I feel distracted. I mean, I like what Pastor G says. Crack open the word. Pick it up. Uh, and, and just begin to read it to God. Begin to, to read it back to Him. Enjoy it. Allow Him to provoke you to worship. God doesn't expect you to worship without the Holy Spirit provoking you by His Spirit in revelation. So he promises to give it to you. It's all there. Just go and have it. You're very quiet tonight. I have to remind you, I like, I like to hear. But the reality is, you know, a lot of people are trying so hard to, to worship God, to spend time with God, and they get frustrated because they feel like they're not getting anywhere. But God has given you everything you need to be able to spark you into a prophetic flow, into a worship time with Him. And it's simply, you, all it takes will be opening up the Word of God, beginning to pray the prayers in the, in the Bible. I mean, I, you could start with the, our Father. I, I can spend an hour praying our Father. Because I'll start with our Father who's in heaven. Oh, yes, God, you're my daddy and you love me. And you're the one that I, I get my identity from. I can just spend some time worshipping him. Hallowed be your name. Yes, God, I pray that you be lifted up and hallowed in our nation, in my home, in my speech. It just, I mean, could go on and on and on and on. And I do. And it's good. Hallelujah. So God wants to encourage you as you spend time worshipping him. All right, I'm going to read here from um, chapter 4, from verse 11. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and, to, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Hallelujah. God has created us and made us new creations in Him. And now He's saying, I want you to wake up and I want you to recognize what I've done because I don't want you to live as children that need to be spoon-fed all the time. But I want you to wake up and begin to recognize the hope of your calling. I want you to grow up and recognize, here, this is your calling. Look at me, see me, that's your calling. Oh, I don't know what my calling is. What's my calling? Look up, see him. See how amazing he is, how glorious he is. Grow up into the head. That's your calling. Hallelujah. He's given you power. He wants you to wake up and recognize, yes, you've been given a a whole amazing new life. Therefore, hallelujah, I'll keep reading here. It's so good. Therefore, I say, uh, verse 17, 
and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding in darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you've not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I used to really struggle with this scripture. I think, okay, I'm trying to put off the old man and put on the new man. It was almost... I was working really hard to try and, you know, I don't want to have the old man, oh no, that old man's coming up again, oh no, and trying to get rid of it and, and put on the new man. Yeah, I've got to, oh, yes, I'm putting on the new man. I didn't quite grasp it and it seemed a little bit difficult. Anybody else ever struggled with this? I'm putting off the old man, oh, stinky old corpse, oh. But, you know, the reality is we don't wrestle flesh and blood, the Bible says. Hooray. Because that wrestle is not something we're called to. But it, the scripture tells us so here. He says, if you've indeed heard him and been taught by him, you put off concerning your former conduct. That means you just go, that's not what I do anymore. Putting off the old man is simply saying, that's not who I am anymore. I, no, that's not okay. That's not, that's not me. That's not who I am anymore. I, I'm going to... Consider and reckon, yes, that's right. Ah, remember, this is the truth. Hallelujah. I've been made and called and graced to walk free from condemnation. I don't have to try and wrestle and beat myself up for, for, for sinning, but I can say, thank you, God. That's not who I am anymore. I'm going to put off that old way of thinking and say, God, that's not me anymore. Thank you, Jesus. This is the truth. I'm going to remember the truth. I'm going to ask, Lord, show me more. I want to know more about who you are so that I can grow up in revelation into the truth of who I really am. Hallelujah. Amen. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, so many of us still, even with a revelation of the grace of God, live with a, with a, a, a haunting feeling of condemnation that can try and steal and rob from you. Have you ever gone to spend some time with the Lord, you know, taking time to seek the face of God, and you felt in your heart, oh God, I really haven't done a very good job at this. I haven't been spending very much time with you, and, and you feel bad. And then you go, I'm going to try. Yeah, here I am. You know, we have been given a conscience. When you do something wrong, you will feel bad. That's, that's normal. But what you do with it is so important. When you feel bad, you don't just let it sit there and camp. Because if it sits there and camps, it's, it's, it's ugly. It starts to fester. It starts to, to think that it can live there. But the reality is it can't touch you because you are now sparkling and renewed and righteous and clean. Hallelujah. 
so a conscience is a good thing. You feel bad about something, recognize it immediately. Hello, that's not me. That doesn't fit with me. I shouldn't do that. No, God. And you repent. You say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm turning from that because that's not who I am. I'm so, thank you, Lord, you've forgiven me. I like what Chris Valentin says. He, he says, I tell God what I've done wrong and say I'm sorry, not because he hasn't already forgiven me, but simply because we're in relationship. Um, I mean, like if I did something wrong, if I hurt Tom's feelings, I know because I know who he is, he's not going to divorce me. Hallelujah. Because he's a good man and he's made a commitment to me and he loves me. I know that. I have that really solid. I know that. But just because I know that and I have that right to be his wife and because of our relationship, I'm going to go to him and say, I'm really sorry. I'm really, it hurts my heart that I hurt your heart. I'm sorry. And I don't do it thinking that's going to earn the forgiveness. He's going to give it anyway because he's a lovely man. Hallelujah. And, and he'll, just, he'll just shake it off. But relationship, because, because of our relationship, I'll say, I'm sorry. You know, and it's the same thing with God for me. If I feel something, if I recognize something, oh, God, yeah, I'm sorry for that. But I thank you. This is where you need to go. Not just, oh, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, please. I'm terrible. You need to go, I'm sorry, oh, God. You know, I recognize that. I see that. I recognize that was not good. But I... This is what I do know, hallelujah, that before I was ever born, you saw what I would do and you paid for it and you punished it. You, pun- was, you were punished for me, for that. And so by faith, I receive your forgiveness, I receive your mercy, and I, I know that you've actually taken the remembrance of that and you've cast it away so far that it can't even be recalled. So you don't even think about it from this very moment as I receive the grace of God, as I recognize and remember, thank you, God, you are not condemning me. I'm not, I'm not condemned. I don't lose my salvation every time I sin. That's, old, that's very old thinking that if you, you know, oh, if I, yeah, that people hadn't been to confession before they died, you know, then oh, woe to them, even if they'd been, you know, good believers all the way along. Yeah. They die, they go, oh, there you go, you're in purgatory. But that's not the truth of the gospel. The truth is, when you put your faith in the Savior, He's forgiven you. But when you recognize you've done something wrong, you need to, you need to deal with it immediately. Immediately. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, I see that. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, because in your light I see that. Thank you, God. I receive your mercy. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive it. And I know, I remember now, I have my mind renewed by your precious word that tells me there's no condemnation for me. Hooray. (laughs) I'm free and I'm clean and I'm loved. And you're not even thinking about it anymore. Oftentimes we forget that part. We feel like we sit there and we'll, I don't know about you, but you'll worship God. And in, in times past, I'd sit there and I'd, I'd, I'd still have this ugly feeling, you know, like I'm worshiping you, but I, you know, I really don't deserve to have any incredible third heaven experience because I really haven't, you know, been a very good Christian this week in that I haven't really sought your face as much as I should, as much as I want to. I've been quite distracted. I'd I'd have days when I'd set the whole day aside to seek the face of God and I'd spend a few hours sort of feeling like I was quite distracted doing this and doing that. And then finally, 
about three o'clock in the afternoon, get, get focused, and then I'd feel bad. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. It's taken me so long to focus. And he's, he's saying, I forgive you. It's lovely. It's fine. I'm here. So, yes, but unless you actually, by faith, bring that heavy feeling and you release it to God, and I said, thank you, God. That, that's not me anymore. Hallelujah. I don't have to wear this heaviness. I don't have to wear this heavy feeling because you've forgiven me, and you've said that I'm righteous and I'm clean. Amen? I'm just trying to bring it down to a practical level for you. Because condemnation is, having no condemnation is great in theory, but you've got to put it into practice. You've got to activate your faith and recognize, hooray, thank you, Jesus. I can, by faith, consider myself righteous and clean, and now I can seek your face. Why is this so important? Because if you carry around condemnation, you're going to behave like Adam and Eve in the garden, who, when God was was there, they'd, they'd hide themselves. That instead of seeking his face with an expectation to encounter him in his glory, to behold him, to boldly approach the throne of grace. Something in your heart's holding back, thinking, I don't deserve it. Not quite worthy of seeing God in his glory. That's what needs to be absolutely vigilantly guarded against. Anytime you have that sense, you need to activate your faith. You see, it's by grace we are saved through faith. Hallelujah. You've got to have faith. You've got to say, I believe Jesus, that you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, even if I don't feel like I've measured up. If you feel like you've measured up, you're probably in self-righteousness anyway. <laughs> oh, I pray, I really pray for you that you will have lovely times with Jesus this week. You'll really enjoy your time because it is in this growing up into him. You see, that even that, the thought that he's our glory and the lifter of our head, lifting up our head, he's always wanting to lift up your head so that you see him because it's in seeing him you recognize the hope of your calling. Ah, that's my calling. Him, him, he is my calling as he is. That's my calling. I, I don't want to be distracted by this, from this. Oh, this is what I want to see. I want to seek your face because as I get to know you, as I see you, when I behold you, I will be like him. Hallelujah. And he says, I want to enlighten the eyes of your understanding in the knowledge of him. Paul praises that you would be enlightened in the knowledge of him so that you'd know the hope of your calling. Oh, my goodness, that's who I am. Thank you, Jesus. You are my goodness. You are my righteousness. And who you are is who I am. I used to think, I wish I'd been one of the disciples that could have walked around and actually physically seen Jesus do the miracles. Would have been so much easier. Yet God, in his amazing goodness, has shown it all to us in the Word of God. Hallelujah. You can walk around in it and go, whoa, I just want to imagine that for a minute. That's awesome. And we're seeing it happen now every day. 
There's more miracles happening even in this church than we'd have time tonight to talk about. Hallelujah. You know, how exciting. I was so blessed to hear about that lady getting healed in the worship. Thank you, Jesus. God is doing miracles all the time. But even the Pharisees, they saw it happen and they didn't believe. It's not about physically seeing Jesus do stuff that causes faith in your heart. It's about the Holy Spirit revealing Christ, hallelujah, who he really is. And this is the power that the Holy Ghost wants to shed abroad in your heart, hallelujah. The power to see, whoa, ah, there you are, that's who you are. And in seeing who he is, we know who we are, hallelujah. We have power. So he says, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Don't be, be angry and don't sin. Let, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The scripture here is just reminding you, this is who you are. Hallelujah. This is how you behave. This is, I want to show you Christ. This is who he is. Now, this is who you are. Go. Hallelujah. And put off anything else that would, would be contrary to that. Instead of being, uh, falling back into old habits, we need to be continually allowing the Holy Spirit to lift up our heads to see. You know, I love the Song of Solomon where it talks about dove's eyes. Oh, my beloved, you have dove's eyes. A dove is a bird that has, only, has no peripheral vision. They can only see what they focus on. And the heart of God is that we as the bride of Christ would have dove's eyes. That, that, that weren't distracted by this, that, or the other thing, but would set our faces like flint to seek him out, to know him, to keep our eyes fixed on him, to be around people who are going to continually encourage each other to lift up their heads, to think about him, to have Christ as their, as their highest thought. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. God wants us to so fix our eyes on him. And you think, well, I've got to live, I've got to work, I've got to do stuff. God wants to give you such an awareness of his fellowship that no matter what you're doing, I just loved Josh's testimony, how... He's effect, being effective in his work, but he's fully aware of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with him. Hallelujah. You can be fully effective in your work even as you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm really making a conscious effort right now to be aware of the favor of God that's on my life. We were walking into a meeting the other night. Um, we, were, we were invited to a dinner. And um, it was a dinner with the the head of the Commonwealth Games organizing committee. And Tom and I were walking in and we just said to each other, you got your favor on? And, I, I, and we just, yeah, we smiled. He said, 
and Tom was saying, yep, feel it all over me. And we, we were just aware. We were just aware of the favor of God on us because we wanted to be having influence and impact. Hallelujah. Turns out he's a Christian. Hallelujah. Uh, organizing the Commonwealth Games for Australia, which is, uh, which is wonderful. And we, God really just uh, built a wonderful relationship there. And I believe God's going to use it for his glory. We're going to see God do some good things. But it's always important for us to, to make ourselves aware, to be consciously aware of what we have been given. You see, we've been given the favor of God so that when people come into our presence, they are coming into the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that when I walk into a room, I'm preparing myself consciously that the next person that meets me is going to be impacted with the life of Christ. Hallelujah. They're going to feel the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's what you have. And it's, all this has been given to you. It's everything pertaining to life and godliness has been given to you. And the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists, all of them have been given to tell you and remind you and point to the fact of what you've been given so that you grow up and go, whoa, whoa, okay. And what do I do with this? This is good. I've got to use this. And equip you to actually do the stuff. Hallelujah. Begin to use it. If you would only begin to take advantage of what Jesus has done for you, if you would press in to lay hold of what God has laid hold of for you, God wants to so make you fruitful. But if you allow yourself to be distracted, you can be deceived into thinking that you are, you know, you've just got a bit of help, but you're still struggling with this and that and the other thing. The enemy would love you to live in that place. Oh, I feel so discouraged. I'm not very good at this. I'm this and this. That is not the thinking that the, the Bible is talking about here. He's saying, have your mind renewed. Grow up into the head. Remember, this is who you are. This is the hope of your calling. This is who you are now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus cannot be joined with anything that is less than perfect. Because what fellowship does light have with darkness? Do you have fellowship with God? You do? Somebody does? Do you have fellowship with God? What fellowship does light have with darkness? That's what the scripture tells us. That's why Jesus came. He had to. He had to pay the price because you could never do it. And it was the only way that he could make you righteous and clean so that you could be joined into fellowship with him. Now you need to have your mind renewed into remembering, oh, wow, I really am clean. I really am free. I really am the righteousness of God in Christ. And now that's him. That's the hope of my calling. This is the riches of my glorious inheritance in him. This is the greatness of the power toward me who believes that as he is, so am I in this world. Hallelujah. So that I can reach out and and lay hands on the sick and see them recover, not based on my theoretical knowledge that this should work, but flowing out of a knowledge, I know what he's like. I know him. Hallelujah. In his, and I've got my eyes fixed on him. My heart is filled and knowing him. Hallelujah. So that we can uh, receive his grace. Amen. 
Father, we say thank you for your mercy. Christ Jesus came and he did it all. He did it all. With the hope that you would one day wake up and recognize what is done. He speaks to you in so many different ways. He says all of creation is declaring the goodness and the glory of God. You go for a walk and, and God's trying to speak to you. Did anyone see the sunset on the way in? Oh, hello. It was so beautiful. All of creation is declaring the glory of God because he's trying to get everybody's attention and say, here I am, I'm good and I love you and I've done everything that needs to be done so that you could be with me. He's wanting to provoke the world with his love, with his amazing goodness into recognizing how great he is. 